0: This podcast is from our Tabar Gathering 2019. For more information on Tabar, please go to our website, tabar-network.com. Thank you. It's good to see you all. I'm excited. I've never been in Belfast first time with my wife, Christine. I'm 50% Irish. My mother's maiden name is Finnegan. And true, true story. I actually have an uncle named Michael Finnegan. I do. I have another uncle who, who's a, a Catholic priest, Father Kevin Finnegan. So it's kind of fun to see some family. And I just want to uh, rethink some things. That's what this journey has been about when it comes to evangelism. I want to encourage you. Hopefully this is encouraging We're going to dive right in, pop off with any questions or rebukes you have, okay? But we are not all evangelists. Does that help alleviate any pressure? We are not all evangelists, but we are all witnesses. So I like to say we are light seed and witness through the poetry of practical living. The Holy Spirit did not come to give you power to become extroverts. So you're free. This evangelism thing is kind of interesting. No, no one has ever come and forced you to apostle. Why aren't you out the street apostling? Hit the streets apost- Hit the streets teaching. Why aren't you out on the streets pastoring? But then when it comes to evangelism, there's been on occasion this pressure, right? We gotta hit the streets, as we've heard. Well, some are wired for that, and some aren't, and that's God's idea. I always like to think what would happen if in any given moment of the unique lives represented here we would all just obey in that moment where we are. We would have a worldwide revival. So we are light seed and witness through the poetry of practical living. So I just want to share some things I've been thinking and I give them to you to rethink even some more and, and, and examine it with, with the scriptures. Uh, For instance, the Holy Spirit, as we read in Acts, came in one of the primary manifestations I find interesting when Jesus said, wait here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power, and you will be my witnesses. So a primary idea among many on God's, Jesus' mind was this power to be. And I like to stop right there. I want to encourage you. You cannot be yourself without the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be someone else to be a witness or to evangelize. The whole idea behind God is you're a unique individual and he wants you to be you in him. That's how we'll reach all the different kinds of people around the world. Because there are some people that I just freak out. I scare them. I've done that. And there are some people that... uh, some uh, people who are better approached by uh, more of an introverted individual, who's a little less like Tigger, you know, a little less <laughs> bouncy. I sometimes, I've, I literally scared to death this woman on the street. I just came up and said, hi, and she freaked out. And, um, so I sometimes, you know, we're always learning, but... Um, So when it comes to this power to be and then power to be witness, and I always thought, well, if this is so important, Jesus, why don't you describe witnessing to us? And he actually does in Scripture. Jesus actually has given you and me a definition of what it is to witness, a literal definition. It's in John 3.11. Jesus told Nicodemus, a respected teacher, most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify of what we've seen and you do not receive our witness. In, in, in simplicity, in, in, I'm all about 2 Corinthians eleven three. I don't want to be led astray in my mind from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. To be mature is to be basic. It's Christ. No more, no less. And so That makes sense to me. Jesus said, We speak of what we know, we testify of what we've seen, you do not receive our witness. The truth is, I want to encourage you when someone says, and I understand this statement because I used to say it, when someone says, I'm going witnessing, my question in my head is, Well, when did you stop? Because here's the truth you're always witnessing. People are reading you all the time. You are constantly witnessing. You're a living letter. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do these good works. You know the word workmanship in the Greek literally means poem. You are a -a one-of-a-kind poem written by Jesus Christ, and the world is reading you. We've all experienced this. Someone walks into a room and you say, wow, that person just lights up the place, right? Or the, the opposite. Person walks into a room and you're like, hmm. What's happening? They're witnessing. They're witnessing by presence. And you all have witnessed, we all do this. Uh, how many of you uh, had a good lunch today? How many of you have seen a, a, a good movie recently? and told a friend about it. You were witnessing. We'll witness about how grand this double bacon cheeseburger we just had over the weekend. We'll tell strangers when we're walking out of the restaurant, dude, you got to try the double bacon cheeseburger. You just witnessed of a cheeseburger. We buy clothes and we, we post things on social media. You're always witnessing. You're very good at it, actually. The only difference is the subject matter. So I want to encourage you. Yes, we've heard the classic phrase, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I want to encourage you, it is necessary. I, I, we can take that statement and say, oh, thank God, I don't have to speak. No, it's necessary. But communication is way more than just words. So I want to encourage you, number one, you are a witness all the time. So just get settled on that. You are a witness through the poetry of practical living. The grocery store, the gas station, the park. When you walk on the street, you are constantly witnessing of who you belong to. The world will know that we are his by our love for one another. And so you're witness through the poetry of practical living. We're also seed. I want to encourage you with this reality when it comes to just rethinking evangelism, kind of removing the pressure of what we got to hit the streets. For some of you, that's a calling of God. Do it. I used to hit the streets all the time. Sometimes I still do. But I just love this poetry of practical living thing. I've experienced way more fruit just being and then being alert and aware. And every day you wake up and say, God, I'm ready. I've made plans. You direct my steps. So you're a witness through the poetry of practical living. You're also a seed. You know, we're always encouraged. Make sure you are you casting seed, right? Plant those seeds, plant those seeds, gospel truths into people. Amen. That's good. But I also want to encourage you, you yourself are a seed. In the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew 13, I think, Jesus describes the field is the world and the seeds are the sons and daughters of God. ha, 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 ha. I love that. One translation says, the sons and daughters of the rain. Do you realize where you work, the home you're in, the neighborhood, your apartment, everywhere you are, you're a seed, boom, planted by the hand of Jesus Christ. And you can instantaneously bear fruit of the kingdom right there. We don't have to wait for the great Christian someday, it's here now. I'm not promised the next five minutes. Jesus, I'd like to stay a little longer. but So be encouraged. We not only cast seed through a deed and action and word. You are a seed. And I, I love it's a perspective change. Jesus completely knew who he was. Talk about confidence. He said, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. <laughs> When's the last time you said that about yourself? Belfast isn't your home. You've just been planted here. What's that? Lurgan? (laughs) Ireland isn't your home. (laughs) You've just been planted here. You have citizenship in heaven and you know that. But we need to constantly be reminded of this. Jesus was the most self-aware individual ever. So he could say, I know where I come from, I know where I'm going. I and the Father are one. And then I want to encourage you, so we're seed through the poetry of practical living. We are witness through the poetry of practical living. And you are light in this world through the poetry of practical. You are literally light. It's not just, oh, how sweet. What a nice thought. Jesus said, and this is a whole other message I have, so I'm condensing hours into one hour. But Jesus said, believe in the light and so become children of light. You become what you behold. What has your focus has you. If you're fearful, you become fearful. If you're anxious, you become anxious. If you believe you're light, you become light. Jesus dwells in unapproachable light, and then he says, come here. That's the trap. He dwells in something unapproachable, And then he says, come to me. So how can we approach unapproachable light? What must you become? Light. (laughs) It's a brilliant idea from God. So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebirth their spirit. And they are literally going to become the substance of my son. Spirit and light. And so now you are light, and now you can, you can, with boldness and grace, approach the one who literally dwells in unapproachable light. You get to approach now. Do you realize in Scripture it says, so we have the heavens, Jesus, God, saying, you're light. The enemy knows we're light. When, when uh, Jesus showed up and that uh, possessed individual said, we know who you are, you are the Son of God, have you come to destroy us? I love that because there's no debate, no caucus. They're just like, it's Jesus, we're dead. That's it. (laughs) Isn't that great? Why? Because they saw, they knew. And so you are light in the Lord. Heaven knows it. The enemy knows it. The world even knows it. Somewhere in Scripture in the New Testament, we read that to this world, this perverse and crooked generation, we appear as lights In this world. So God is light. Even darkness is light to God. And so, what that tells me is what's your name? Jason. Jason is light in the Lord. Wherever Jason goes, he owns the atmosphere. Wherever you go, you own the atmosphere. It's not some cocky, arrogant, hey, yo, I'm here, this is my place now. It's not that. It's a humble thing that light automatically does. Look at how this natural light is owning the atmosphere. It can't not happen. It automatically happens. Darkness only has one response to light. It has to flee. So we read in Scripture, this light came into the world and darkness did not comprehend it, overtake it, or overwhelm it. Light came into Jason. Jason is now light in the Lord. Darkness cannot overcome Jason, overtake Jason, overwhelm Jason. It doesn't mean you won't have dark times. As a Christian, I went through 10 years of clinical depression, and was almost this close to being admitted to a psych ward. I was cutting myself with a knife when I was 38. I'm 51 now. I was 38, slicing myself with a knife. I was so filled with rage and torment. As a Christian, was I in a dark place? Yes. Did it overtake me? No. Because I'm light in the Lord, and so are you. So I want to encourage you that this idea of evangelism and witness is way more expansive and fun and free than we realize. Yes, there's the Bill Faye method in the States, the Bill Faye method, the Ray Comfort method, friendship evangelism, fr- uh, power evangelism, servant evangelism. The latest ones are the three circles, and now the latest uh, that I found is Jesus at the door. And guess what? God uses them all. But you know why? It's because of his method. His method is spirit. (laughs) That's my favorite method. So I'm not here to give you a method. There's plenty of methods online, and I'm not saying they're bad. Go for it. The three circles is a really cool, it's called the three circles. Just Google it. Three circles, share your faith, Google or jesusatthedoor.com. I just prefer wind. I prefer spirit. It's, it's fun to see how the Holy Spirit, if anything works, it's just because the Spirit's breathing on it. And if anything works, it's because in there is tucked the word of the cross and the word of reconciliation. And, G, and the Holy Spirit, wham, breathes on it. Amen? That's why I, I've, I've led... One young lady on a school campus to Christ, just by literally, I gave her, it was a hot day, I gave her a bottle of water and I said, Jesus loves you. She and her husband gave their lives to Christ, ended up becoming associate pastors at our church. I asked her, what happened? How? What was that? She said, for some reason, when you said it, I just believed it. What happened? The Holy Spirit, boom! Now, do I make that a method? Everybody buy water, (laughs) hit the streets. But that's what, we, that's what we do sometimes, right? I'll never forget one day I, I'm at this big conference and I, I, sh- I share the gospel. This is a hard lesson years ago and a hundred or so people come forward and I just spoke out of my heart, just the spirit of God and I'm testifying on what I've seen and I speak of what I know of Jesus and I'm just sharing and a hundred or so people come forth and they make professions of faith. And then a couple days later, I, I come back to this event. But in between those two days, I was reading about this other method, a method. And I thought, ooh, I guess I should do this. And I go back and I share this method uh, this way, and it bombed. It was so humiliating. No one came forward. Not one. One person came forward to ask what kind of car I drive. That was That was it. It was a hard lesson, but a good lesson. I'm like, the method of God is spirit, which is exciting. And Jesus loves stories. Here's a side note, real quickly. Oh man, time is going so fast. In Mark 4, the disciples ask Jesus to explain why he taught with parables and stories. In Mark 4, his answer in 1012, this is the message paraphrase, is this Mark 4, 1012. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it, everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. Isn't that fun? One of my favorite things to do with people is just to say, what's your story? Give me your story. And then I just try to take their story and weave it into God's story. They're a part of God's story. They just don't know it. What else? Boy, I got a lot to run through. Simplicity here. So Jesus told us to demonstrate and proclaim. What that means is demonstrate and proclaim. That's pretty much what it means. Lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. Just do it. What if I mess up? You will mess up. You will. I mess up all the time. I perceivably bomb it all the time. But here's how I don't bomb it, because I'm I'm doing it in love. I'll never forget uh, recently, sometimes I'll go to the mall to to just practice, and there's this elderly gentleman, I felt like God said, go pray for him, for his back, and he had back problems, and I prayed, and nothing happened, nothing, and I look at him, I said, well, I just, and this is what I always say, I just want you to know, Jesus told me to practice this because he loves you, and I've experienced his healing, and He told me to practice this, and he he loves you. I just want you. And he's like, wow, thank you. And he paused. He said, well, he said, I need the healing, and I I guess you need the practice. (laughs) (laughs) That was a word from God. (laughs) It was beautiful. So I'm just weaving in and out here. So let let me help you with this, because results, when it comes to evangelism, results are kind of freaky, aren't they? How many have you led to the Lord? What are the results in evangelism? Here's my idea. I think the ultimate result is obedience. Forget about numbers. Because if you're not obedient, nothing matters anyway. Curry Blake, who, had, who inherited John G. Lake's healing ministry, said this, I'd rather obey without results than disobey without results. I'd rather obey without results than disobey without results. Because obedience is love. And love is abiding. And abiding is obedience. It's a fidget spinner. It just goes round and round. And the one spirit the Lord delighted in, I think you read this in Isaiah 3 maybe? Isaiah. I know it's in Isaiah. But he said, the spirit of wisdom is upon him, the spirit of knowledge. And then it says, and he delights in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's interesting. He said, and he delights. All these spirits. And then the one spirit he delights in, a better translation, is the reverential obedience to God. Jesus delighted in just obeying God. And so in this idea of being light, seed, and witness through the poetry of practical living, this whole concept throughout this weekend about going from the known to the unknown, it's really an invitation every day, every moment is just an invitation of will you obey? Because I want to encourage you with something. You're idiots. You're complete fools. You believe in a completely foolish message to the world. The world hates you. I'm encouraging you right now. You're already despised by the world with what you carry. You have a foolish message. But what we've been taught is to take a message and, uh, and speak to people on the basis of man's understanding. But the things of the Spirit of God cannot be understood by natural man. They are foolishness to him. The things of the Spirit of God are spiritually appraised. The word of the cross is foolishness. We have a foolish message. We are fools for Christ. So we don't have to worry about becoming fools. You are one. Be encouraged with that. So now I can slough off this idea of, oh, well, what if I look like you already do? (laughs) You already do. The world already has you nailed down. But in the spirit, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. It is the power. I love the simplicity of the gospel. You know when Peter shared the gospel to Cornelius, to the Gentiles? Cornelius and his whole household, he gathers them together and he shares the gospel. He shares it. It's so simple. Look at it sometime in the book of Acts. In, here, I think I have it here. Is everyone all right? Thank you, Lord, for letting us be light seed and witness through the poetry of practical living. Where is it? Sorry, hold on. I have all my notes on my phone. Ah, here it is. Uh, Acts 10, 34, 48. So Cornelius in verse 33. Now then, we're all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Here's what Peter tells him. The essential facts about Jesus. Jesus was sent to Israel by God. God sent Jesus. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God was with him. We saw him, this is Peter saying, we saw him and ate with him. We hung out with him. He ordered us, To share this with you Uh, he is the judge of the living he's coming back if you believe you put your trust in him uh, your sins are forgiven then the Holy Spirit comes that's it doesn't mention heaven or hell oh boy he doesn't mention heaven or hell because the focus of the gospel is Jesus that's a foolish message I just gave you. It's so simple. Well, some people will say, well, what about hell? I'm not going to open up that can. I, I, what I like is he brings up, he is the judge and he's coming. Every single person can relate to judgment. We live in a judicial system, everyone can relate to judgment. That's, I love the simplicity of that. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That's so cool. Okay. Um, any questions? Are we doing all right? So as Jesus just told him, I love what Jesus told his disciples to say. He actually did give them a script, kind he he, he, he of. Uh, uh, he said, preach forgiveness of sins. Don't preach sin. He literally said, preach forgiveness of sins. I love that uh oh, here it is Luke 2447 this is the passion passion translation now you must go into all the nations preach repentance in the Aramaic it's preach grace and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me ha. <laughs> preach forgiveness of sins. When I heard the message of the gospel when I was about 20 years old, some guy just said this, do you believe in Jesus? Well, I've heard of him. It seems like, well, you have to believe in him. Well, I don't know yet. Well, then you're going to hell. That's the message I heard. Now I'm supposed to think at that point, God loves me. Where was the loving kindness in that? Jesus is so brilliant. He comes and he says, preach forgiveness of sins. That's part of the message of reconciliation we've been given in Second Corinthians five seventeen through 21. The message of reconciliation. I was in England recently. I came up to a guy with this message of reconciliation. Well, God told me to go get him. He didn't say go get him, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Come to find out the guy's name is Ben, and I just said Ben. And so this is this moment. I'm not saying this is a script. This is just here's how it is in this moment. It's, Ben, have you ever heard this? God has not counted your sins against you. And he said, no. Just think Ben had never heard that. He heard the exact opposite. So I was able to give him the message of reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. What is this message of reconciliation? What does reconciliation imply? For something to be reconciled, there had to be a former state of bliss. (laughs) How can I be reconciled to this young lady here? If if, If someone were to say, if my wife were to say, Craig, be reconciled to her. It's impossible. I don't even know her. We don't have a history. There's nothing that can be reconciled. So when God was reconciling the world unto himself through the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, he was telling people Come back to my original intention for you. When we hear about uh, repentance, returning, the Greek word metanoia, change the way, the way you think. Let me find that. I'm all over the place. You guys, is this, is this good? Is this fun? Are, are you getting a little free? Well, here, I'm getting way out of myself. Okay, so help me, Holy Spirit, 30, 301. Um, so he said, preach forgiveness of sins. Oh, he, pre- he, he, he also told the disciples, uh, tell people there's a new kingdom. I mean, talk about simple. What does that mean for us today? Today, that wouldn't make much sense, especially in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, there's a new kingdom. They're like, what are you talking about? It basically means there's a new way of life from a new place. There's a new world where my father, where, where your creator dwells. There's a whole new life, a whole new citizenship waiting for you. I'm preaching that kingdom. And we can do do the demonstration of it in, 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 in praying for the sick, loving them. All those wonderful words or, or deeds and grace and power. Um, no, 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 stop it. Oh, good grief. Okay, there we go. So he told us to preach uh, uh, repentance, forgiveness of sins, and the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Let me tell you a quick thing about repentance. There's a wonderful Hebrew word. Yeah, a word about repent. Yeah. Uh, in, in Acts twenty twenty four, Paul said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. He preached the gospel of the grace of God. A word about repentance. I got this from Aramaic English New Testament. The Hebrew word shuv, it's spelled S-H-U-B, pronounced shuv, appears 1,066 times in Scripture, but is almost entirely negated by modern Christian theology. Shuv means to return to where you've come from. It's the true repentance, and it would seem that in order to return to something, you would have had to have been there in the first place. So when this idea of repentance, repentance is not confession. Confession of sin is confession of sin. Confess to God, you'll be forgiven. We confess our sins to one another, we be, we're healed. That's another message. But this idea of ret- repentance is, is return. It's come home. Come home. Ephesians 1.4, God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. A better translation, before the fall, God has chosen you in Christ to be face-to-face before him, innocent, blameless, completely redeemed. Ha, 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 you know when we read in, in in Romans all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, what is God's glory? It's the word doxa. And it literally means God's good opinion, intention and thought about you, his original good opinion and intention. So what we're seeing in the world and when you and I didn't know Jesus, we were walking in sin and what sin does is it darkens our understanding to the glory of God. When all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, all have sinned and fallen short of God's original intention and opinion about you. So people in the world who we call lost, what has happened is, Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. What's the sin of the world? Jesus describes it in the Gospels. He says, and this is the sin of the world. Their unbelief in me. Jesus came to take away Unbelief, and it's this sin that has darkened people's understanding, darkened their hearts and minds from God's glory, his true intention and original purpose about mankind all along. I'll put it this way, when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was God saying, do you see Jesus? He's my original idea about you. Jesus is God's mind made up about you, as one guy says. He's the original blueprint and life of your design. And people, their understanding has been darkened from that. And so we, as light, seed, and witness through the poetry of practical living, we get to to stir up an awakening of remembrance. And we're saying with our presence and our words and our deeds, and we're, we're helping them remember, remember with this loving kindness, this loving kindness, and then they see, I have been walking in sin. He is God. I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart he was raised from the dead by the power of God, and, poof, and they wake up, and they return home, and they're reconciled to God, and they're brought back to God's original intention all along. Does that sound like good news? I think it was one of the guys yesterday talking about people want to know who they are. Am I right about that? Was that? Yeah. People, everyone's searching, who am I? Who am I? God knew knew that. That's why he showed up on the scene in the form of Jesus, said, this is who you are. Those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. We become joined to the Lord, and then what is true of Christ is true of you. We are partakers of his divine nature. So you're joined to the Lord. What's your name again, dude? Rick. Rick. Rick is joined to the Lord. The Lord is holy. Rick is holy. The Lord is joy. Rick is joy. The Lord is love. Rick is love. And on and on goes. We're partakers of that. And the world has forgotten that because of sin. And so you are an agent that God has called. You are a new creation ambassador with a message and a ministry. You are a new creation ambassador with a message and a ministry. Your ministry is reconciliation. Your message is reconciliation and the word of the cross. <laughs> Be reconciled. When's the last time any one of us ever heard? Some, ever, did, no one's ever come up to me before I knew the Lord, and I never heard that message. I thought God was angry and couldn't wait to fry me if I didn't turn. But you just see the kindness and the no wonder it's his loving kindness that leads us into repentance. What is, G, who, what is God doing with sinners right now? Yes, he's loving them, but what else is he doing with sinners right now? Scripture tells us what God is doing with sinners right now. Good and upright is the Lord, we read in Psalms. Good and upright is the Lord. Everybody say, good and upright. Good and upright. Is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. You get to instruct sinners in the way with your presence, with your deeds, with excellence of soul. You know that word dunamis? 120 times in New Testament's a Greek word for power, ability, miracles, miracle power, but uh, one of my favorite meanings is excellence of soul. You and I get to present present excellence of soul in this world. We get to what does that mean? Miracles of soul. How about actually giving a gentle answer that turns away wrath? Do you realize that's a miracle? You cannot do that without the spirit? And we get to we're packed full of this stuff. And we get to bring this to people. we can inst- instruct sinners in the way. So one thing that has has freed me up is I've stopped trying to save people because I can't, and you already know that. But someone might say, yes, but we read in Scripture, uh, oh, he who is wise saves souls. Yeah, Jesus is wise, and he saves souls. And he is my wisdom. He is the wisdom of God and the power of God. I've set my sight on on these things. I'm a minister of reconciliation. Talk about something that Ireland needs, something that my country needs. We get to bring reconciliation. We get to show a God response emotionally. I love signs and wonders, physical healings, praise God. I want to see so much more of that. I've seen some, most of the time I don't, it's kind of funny. But then I get to tell people I'm practicing. Well, I'm practicing still. <laughs> but that's scriptural. First John puts uh, humanity in one of two categories. There are those who practice righteousness, those who practice wickedness. I want to encourage you with this. When it comes to being light seed and witness to the pro- poetry of practical living, we practice, which implies failure. You will bomb. We will fail. That's, that's axiomatic. It can't not happen. We will make mistakes. But if we're doing it in grace and love, there's really no mistakes. So that excites me. So then we just get to practice. In every moment of obedience, first and foremost, every act of obedience is first an invitation to from God to you for you to know him more. That's, that's kind of a selfish reason why I want to obey, because God has a revelation in it about me and him, first and foremost. I'll never forget, I'm taking a walk in a fancy neighborhood because we don't live in one, and... I'm walking along these beautiful homes and I felt like God said, go up to that nice house, knock on the door and whoever answers, pray for him." So my first answer was an incredibly holy no, because <laughs> the flesh barks first usually, sometimes. But I know that was my flesh. I'm like, okay, Lord. And so I'm nervous. I go up, knock on the door. This big burly guy shows up, beer in hand, American football is on TV. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I said, hey, uh, i like to say this. I belong to Jesus. And uh, I felt like he, he told me to come up and, and see if you need any prayer, man. <laughs> he goes, nope, and poof, slams the door <laughs> right in my face. And I'm walking away. I'm like, God, what was that? And I honestly, in my imagination, I see God. I see Jesus and God in the throne room laughing their heads off. And they're just doubled over in laughter and looking, and they're whispering. I'm like, what? And I start laughing. I'm like, what was that? And I honestly felt like I heard God say, I just wanted to see if you would do it. (laughs) Because every moment is really an invitation to obey. The results are up to God. Some water, some plant, he gives the increase. I love the idea that the ultimate, the one result, I'll put it this way, the one result we can count is obedience. That's the the one we can honestly track. Does that make sense? Isn't that fun? And then it just, (laughs) I love your honesty, man. That was hilarious. That was good. That was good what else okay yeah that's okay yeah i see that um thanks for hanging on okay um yeah when it comes to this obedience thing i want you to look at it this way has anybody ever heard of the chemistry term titration that's what obedience is You got a beaker filled with a a liquid of unknown potency, another beaker filled with a, a liquid of potency. You're trying to find out the potency of the unknown liquid, or the unknown potency of that liquid. So you start to drop, drip, drop, drip, drop. Nothing's happening, very boring. 10 drops, 20 drops, 33 drops, 100, nothing. Then finally, boom! You have a chemical reaction called titration. The key behind that experiment are all the previous drops. Without the previous drops, you would not have titration. I want you to know every act of obedience is is a drop. It's Isaiah, drip down, O heavens, and let righteousness spring forth. So I want to encourage you, every act of obedience, whether it's doing the dishes or raising the dead, if it's the will of God, the pay is the same. I just want to obey. Sometimes it's a move of God for me to take out the trash but that's an act of obedience and I'm honoring my wife and all and on and on it goes. And so what happens is we take those steps of obedience and sharing our faith. However, the Holy spirit leads and it just builds and builds. And you might think this isn't working. You might think, I feel like, and I feel like Jeremiah, you know, the weeping pride. This is no, 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 It's building. It's building titration. Every drop, every drop, every drop. It's a, a drop of love. It, and God is just smiling. Look at, look at my son. Look at my daughter obeying. They're speaking to that person. They're sharing the message of reconciliation. They're praying for that person. They see, you see a person hobbling on the street, and you ask God, do you want me to pray for them? He might say yes, and then you just go. And you might not see a thing happen, or you will. I don't know. That's between him and you and God. But you're obeying because you love them. And this might sound really wild. I'm just going to be very honest. I'm not sure it's my desire that all men should be saved. But I know it's God's. I used to try to, let me quantify that. I say that because I used to try to feel like, and can anybody relate? You got to drum up this compassion. Oh, God, I want everybody to be saved. And and you're trying to uh, birth that desire. You can't. That's why Paul told Timothy in the message translation, First and Second Timothy, he said to this young evangelist, it's amazing, he said, the first thing I want you to do. Here's an evangelist, right? The first thing I want you to do, the apostle Paul says, you, you think I want you to hit the streets. I want you to do this. I want you to heal all this. He said, the first thing I want you to do is pray for all people, always, every way you know how, pray, because it's God's desire that all men should be saved. When you pray for people to be saved, God's desire becomes your desire then we increase with his desire. Does that make sense? And then elsewhere in the message translation, Paul tells Timothy, prayer is at the bottom of all of this. So we get to pray every day. We make plans. The Lord directs my, hey, Jesus, I'm going to work today. I got to make a stop at the grocery store. I'm going to the sports store, gas station. I got to pick up my kids at soccer, football practice, all this stuff. I made plans. Now direct my steps. Let me hear your spirit. And when you say go, I'll go. When you say pray, I'll pray. But then I get to pray that morning. You and I get to pray, Jesus, I want a divine appointment today, please. I want to share I want to share your love with someone. I thank you that I don't have to manufacture it. I don't have to freak out about it. I am light, seed, and witness through the poetry of practical living. Wherever I go, wherever you go, you own the atmosphere. Wherever you're walking, people are reading you. They're watching you. They're smelling you. You are the fragrance of life to some, the fragrance of death to others. But it's a very spiritually real reality. And we've been intoxicated by the indifference of others. This world is indifferent, so we can be indifferent. Faces down in the phones, just walking around. Oh, you're not talking, I won't talk to you then. You're not looking at me, I won't look at you then. You're not addressing me by name, I won't address you by name. And then we're slowly intoxicated by indifference. It's amazing when I'm in Germany and England, how many people are stunned when I ask them their name. You think I would ask them for their social security number or something. Hi, I'm Craig, what's your name? (laughs) Hello, my name is Craig. I'm pretty sure you have a name. I would like to hear it. But I love it because I'm reminding them that they're human. And sometimes that's the next step for many of us. I this this next the, the next season, and that's just you just ask God. Here, here's the deal. Don't do what you can't. Do what you can. We're co-creating with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, just frothing at the mouth. Can't just can't wait to co-create, to create heaven on earth through you. Right? And so you can just say, Lord. What's my next step of faith now? And he might say, he might say, for for this young lady here, this week I want you to address every stranger uh, with a hello and ask their name. You're just engaging in humanity. Craig, this 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 uh, this week I want you to uh, go to the mall every day and and bless people and pray for them and give words. Whatever it is, that's between you and God. You see. And then whatever happens, happens. Kingdom happens. Anybody have any questions? Ideas? Are you feeling free? See, I look at you, I look at you, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what would happen? What would happen if if Monday, Monday, all of us had one thing that God invited us to do in regards to being light seed and witness through the poetry of practical living, and we did it. We have a freaking revival. See, that's what's so exciting to me. Is it's like I feel like it's just at our fingertips. I thank God for the. Pay. Hey, see you. Thank you. Bye. Light, seed and witness. Light Bye. and witness. All right. Hey. Yeah. Poetry. Practical living. But that's what's so exciting to me. And I love the idea of people hitting the streets. But that's that person. That's that person's personality and calling. But here's the deal. We're all hitting the streets through our work. We've already hit the streets. We just, the invitation is to wake up to the reality of who we are, the fact that God has placed you there, that you're a new creation ambassador with a message and a ministry. And it's reconciliation. And it's the gospel. And it is the word of the cross. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> and you get to tell people what you've experienced with Jesus. And you get to talk to him as, as, as though he, he were as real as the person next to you, not sheepishly. I, I've talked with people once I was at a restaurant. This 22-year-old waitress, I'm, I start to get her story. Tell me about yourself. Great question. People love to talk about themselves, usually. Tell me about yourself. She starts saying. She says, "Well, I'm training to be a life coach." I'm like, "Wow!" And I'm thinking, "22, you got a lot of life to live yet to be a life coach." But good luck with that. So she's telling me about how she's going to be a life coach, and I said this, and it was just the Holy Spirit download. I said, "Great. What's your foundation of truth?" And she was like, "What?" And I said, "Well, you're going to be teaching other people about life. What's your premise? What's your way? What's your truth?" that you're going to give them as a platform. And she honestly said, I've never thought of that. And I just said, well, I want you to know, I think it's Jesus. Because he said he is the way, the truth, and the life. She said, I'll think about that. And she walked away. She was a waitress, busy, right? I'm not going to bog her down. What was that? That was a gospel truth that I planted. But you didn't give her the whole gospel. Jesus didn't tell me to at that point. I'm just obeying the Holy Spirit. It's fun to just give those gospel truths. I was in uh, another place in England, and we're at a store, and my wife is shopping. I'm talking to this security guard because I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to. He's a young 25-year-old dude from the Middle East doing security. I noticed a shiny new ring on his hand, right? We're awake. We're aware, right? We're observing people, right? Because they're majestic. They're so beautiful. One person is God's original idea. An original intention of God. You want to see the glory of God, you're surrounded by it right now. They're called people. I want you to know that. So I'm talking to a person, this guy, and, and I ask, how's, how long have you been married? He says, two years. I'm like, how's it going? He goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, that's not good. So I said this, do you mind if I share you some advice? I've been married almost 30 years. He's like, okay. I said, love your wife just as much as Jesus loves you, who gave his life for you. And that was it. And I wanted to jump in. I'm like, uh. the Holy Spirit said, nope, that's it. And I'm like, okay. Well. <laughs> just bless him. What was that? A, tr- a seed. I'm like, oh, God, water that. Send someone else across to him. Isn't that fun? And then sometimes there's full opportunity to share the gospel, and, and you know all of that. So I want to wrap up with this. I've got seven minutes. I, invi- I want to invite you to see people. Like I said, we can be intoxicated by the indifference of others. I want you to invite, invite, uh, I am inviting you. Am I inviting? Yes, I am. I'm inviting you to see a person as an original idea of God. Because thought precedes creation. Thought precedes creation. The chairs you're sitting in, first someone thought of, and then it was created. Any of you artists or musicians? Anytime you have a work of art, you're first thinking it, thinking it. Then you fall in love with the thought, and you fell in love with the thought so much you just had to make it. That's what happens to people. In in the Gospel of John, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word with literally means face-to-face. So in the beginning was Jesus, God's living expression, the visible of the invisible, his manifestation. In the beginning was Jesus face-to-face with God. And I like to picture this, and they're face-to-face, the triune God. And they love being face-to-face so much, they just had to make more faces to be face-to-face with. So all of a sudden, one day, God the Father has this big, big grin on his face. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus come up and say, Dad, what are you thinking? He says, oh, it's delightful. And they're like, well, what? What is the look on your face? What, what are you thinking? And he says, I've never had this thought before. What's your name? Joanne, and the Holy Spirit are like, come on, Dad, tell us. He says, oh, it's delightful, and I even see a tear in his eye because he's falling in love with this thought. And finally, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are just begging, God, show us. What are you thinking? And he says, I call it a Joanne. I've never had this thought before. We've got to make her. I've got to be face-to-face with Joanne. And so they all team up and they pray Joanne. And then by his loving kindness, one day, Jesus says, God the Father says in her heart, the Holy Spirit's hovering over the, the dark waters of her heart, over the face of her heart, hovering, hovering. And then finally God says, let there be light. And boom. And she's quickened. And she becomes light in the Lord. And she's face to face with God. A one of a kind original. Whether you're a sinner or not sinner, believer, non-believer, it doesn't matter. A person is a one of a kind original thought of God. An original intention of God. And you and I get to engage that thought, that person, and bring that person back home. You've just forgotten Sin has caused you to forget. Come back home to God's original idea and intention about you. Repent. Change the way you think about God. Put your trust in him. And receive what's already been offered, forgiveness of sins. Amen? Let's see people that way. Be bold with your lives. In the message translation, I think in Matthew, Jesus says, so here it is, I've put you on this earth to be light, therefore shine. Then he says, keep open house with your lives. Amen. Any other questions or there haven't even been any thank you yeah because we're not all evangelists and evangelists work it's funny evangelists work is to equip the saints for the work of service technically an evangelist really isn't one who hits the streets that's just a happy witness who has a certain personality who hits the streets (laughs) who has a call of God but we need I don't want to say that we need the introverts too I love the quiet my wife was an introvert and the quiet witness of of that presence its it takes all kinds man all kinds, you know. We all we all shine his glory and his light. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the incredible heat in this room right now, Lord. <laughs> I wish I could say that was the Holy Spirit, but I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, we thank you for the weight loss in this room, Lord. Mi- that's it. We're going to hear miracles of weight loss just happening. It- We thank you. I declare pounds being melted away. (laughs) That's right. Father, we thank you. We thank you for laughter. Thank you for restoring. King David prayed in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. The literal translation is restore to me the laughter of thy salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. Your weapon is laughter is joy. This world needs holy joy, laughter, and love, and you are packed full of it, because a third of the kingdom in in you is joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray any words that uh, were not of you, uh, would you simply remove them now? And what was of you in your kingdom and your heart, would you please thrust it into our spirits and allow them to bear fruit, God? Because we're just a bunch of branches attached to the true vine, and all a branch can do is eat and drink. And then we're just going to hold whatever you provide for the world to pick. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks, everybody.